Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, your online counseling center no matter where you live. The Timothy Center is a marriage and family counseling facility in Austin, Texas, offering distance consultations for those that live outside the Austin area. If you have questions and you'd like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their licensed professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a paradox. Hello, everybody. Guys, welcome, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. This is Jimmy and I'm, I'm Paradox. Paradox. So good that you're here with us today. Today is Monday. No. May something or another. Not, oh, when when we're releasing yeah. it. Yeah. Because it is a Saturday. In early no, we're late April. Late April, yeah. And it is 90 degrees outside. There That's are Texas there are for you. Tumbleweeds and rattlesnakes and and people dying of heat prostration. Prostation being too hot. Prostation. Mm-hmm. That's what I said. I'm a doctor. We were before we went on discussing Highwaymen, the next Netflix movie. Yes, yeah, so good. Kevin boring. Costner. Buying Clyde. I knew Dad. It's not funny. I lived it. You know the actor it was missing? Who? Tom Selleck. <laughs> you would have loved it that much more if Tom Selleck was Oh, just to hear him breathe through that giant mustache. <laughs> Jimbo's a big Tom Selleck fan. Tommy Lee Jones would have been good in that as well. Oh, of course. But he's a little long in the tooth. Hmm. There were some big people in that. There were. I was uh, very Woody Harrelson and... Uh, Fields? No, Sally Fields wasn't in it. Who was the... No, um, the lady. Who's done a lot of things. Yeah. But I thought it was very, very well done. My wife and I have been watching Lorena. Now see, on Amazon. you did a Hispanic accent that was culturally appropriating. And I'm not Hispanic and I'm offended. Lorena is Jordan Peele, you know, the comedian slash get out slash us fame. As in Academy Award winning amazing He director. directed this four-part miniseries documentary on Lorena Bobbitt. Oh, you're kidding. That's yeah. what that is? Yeah. You know how this ends. Why, why would you watch that? Because it was awesome. It actually had, it brought about interesting feelings in both myself well, and Well, I Katie. guess it would. <laughs> Not Phantom that feelings, of feelings of intense pain Not and shock and horror. The overarching narrative was a critique on a system that still allows for domestic abuse. They got that out of Lorraine Bobbitt's story? Yes. Because hmm. he went on, John Wayne went on and um, starred in like four or five pornos. He was Howard Stern, and he like he was abused four or five other women, and he never was jailed. And so the the overarching theme was obviously this caught you know national attention, and mm-hmm. so people were interested in particularly those two characters. But it was larger. The point was larger than that. Just how can this person still be out there? We don't do enough for domestic violence, even prior to Bobbitt, and then like. Bobbitt was like 92, 93, and then 94, O.J. Simpson happened, and that domestic abuse. Prior to that, they interviewed police, and how they would often handle domestic violence is like, have the husband go for a walk. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And it was just like, what? 
what and just women were being beaten mm-hmm. and still in a lot of ways are left and right and uh the system doesn't crack down well you just i kind of derailed of, us piece of poop in the punch bowl but lorraine is really good amazon mm-hmm. not on your life would i watch that okay here's what we're going to do today though So as many people know, the Paradox, we travel extensively because we have a very, very extensive speaking tour. There are times I go up into Round Rock. Mm -hmm. I know that former President Bill Clinton and some of these, they they pull down like a couple of million dollars per talk. And you and I, we get anywhere from, say, 50 to 75 dollars. We have to pay our own expenses. But You get 50? I've paid people. To yeah. speak before. So it was out the other day with the great people at Hill Country Bible School. Bible Church. Well, it's Bible Church, but it was their school parents. Oh. It wasn't the church the, parents. Ah, gotcha. It was for the school. And so it was riveting and it was dynamic. And I think half the people there surrendered to foreign missions. And uh, the Holy Spirit basically just took up residence in the room. Mm-hmm. And we all spoke in tongues mm-hmm. and handled snakes. So it was an amazing time. And ran the aisle. <laughs> So Jump the I, it was a great time. And so at the end, we didn't, I didn't, we had them text in questions, right? To, to answer. And we do that because we're extremely modern and young and hip and urban, as opposed to raising your hand. Like who does that? That is so 20th century. So I th- well, today I thought, well, gosh, I didn't get to very many of them because I was, I tend to be a long-winded person. And so, so here's some of the questions that were left over. I uh, will cover some that I that I actually got to, but we thought this would be perfect because if they're asking, other people are asking. And so here are questions from real live parents. Here we go. What is... Th- <laughs> Here are some questions from literally people with hearts beating That's, that have children. This isn't made up. This is real life, Josh. It's right here in text. What is the best way to, here's the first one. What is the best way to approach the topic of sex with your teenager? Go. Early and often. Yes. If you're addressing it with, no, I'm jumping in first because uh, I'm piggybacking. Because if we're talking with your teenager about it, then we missed the boat. The boat is, is three quarters of the way to China. Uh, if you're waiting till they're a teenager. To Josh's point, it's early and often. A slow boat to China. That's a phrase. You're talking about sex. Why would it be about China? Because I'm saying you miss the boat, the phrase, a slow mm. boat to China. Okay. Therefore, China, then the slow boat is three quarters of the way there, okay. meaning you really missed your opportunity. Mm. Okay. Do I really have to stop and explain every one of these? Let's do this. So early. You know, we're talking, we need to be having this conversation at three and four, not when they're 13 or 14. But you're not sitting them down at three and four. No. And saying, stick your penis in a vagina to no. have sex. But you're starting to use sexually explicit names like penis and, and vagina. vagina. Again, uh, it's not, our private parts are not the and Voldemort of our bodies. Offhanded educational comments. JJ yes. will say, when I hold my peanuts, it feels good. And I'm like, yep. And you're going to make a baby one day with that thing. And that's that's it. So, I mean, it's just like little bitty comments wow, where... Wow, did I not want to hear that. They know they know that there's purpose for those parts. Mm-hmm. Ruth, at some point, uh, she's six. Uh, six months ago, a year ago, she was asking about um, why she didn't have a Peanuts. And I said, because you have a vagina, and that's going to allow you to have a baby out of it one day. 
She promptly said, I don't want to have a baby. <laughs> she looked Who down. Would? She looked down at her gina. Mm-hmm. And she said, <laughs> No way. No thanks. <laughs> no freaking way. But it's just so you're not sitting down and explaining yep. the birds and the bees to a four-year-old, but you're you're making educational comments through the years. And you're normalizing. Yeah. The biggest mistake that we have made in Christian homes is is treating sex like this the tabooist of taboo subjects that it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist in most homes. And therefore, it's, it becomes super taboo to our young kids, and especially young guys when the testosterone kicks in, and they have no earthly... And I, I may have shared this once, but there was a, a 15-year-old, a 15-year-old boy been homeschooled, and it's nothing about homeschooling, but he came in and, and asked... You know, I said, so anything, you know, any questions, anything? And he says, yeah. He says, you know, I, at 15, let me make sure we're understanding this. I know that the the eggs for human reproduction, I know the eggs are in the female, and I know that the sperm are in guys, and I know that, you know, that, that they use the penis uh, in the vagina to put the sperm in there. But he just said, I don't, I mean, how does, I mean, I don't even know how, 15 years old, and again, so great that he's been protected from everything under the sun. But that's not a good thing that a 15-year-old is that naive, that that is that clueless about this topic. Again, I, I think by treating it in, 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 in such a, um, a forbidden manner that we're setting these children up. We're, we're, we're handing well, them over to the porn industry to let the porn industry teach them. Teach them. Correct. So they're, they're curious. Yeah, as they should be. And we should be giving them the knowledge, not someone at school. Wouldn't it be cool? I mean, again, and this is across the board, that we just normalize sex in our homes so that our children know that mommy and daddy have sex. They know, generally speaking, what sex is, and they know that if read the Song of Solomon, that it's a good thing, that it's a fun thing, it's a fantastic thing between a husband and a wife, a mommy and a daddy, and it's a great, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful thing. It would be so cool if your fifth grader or fourth grader goes to school or on the bus and someone tries to show them pornography and says, dude, check this out, and you just go, well, I know what that is, and that's gross, because that's not what sex is at all. God says this. So yeah, we the, the bottom line is we don't wait till they're teenagers. We stay, this is a lifelong conversation. We normalize it. Probably late elementary, you start to have more formalized yeah, conversations. Absolutely. I'm trying to quote me on this, but I'll just defer to Dobson. Dobson, you you know, he used to do the um, uh, preparing for adolescence. You know that it was designed for a, a CD where you go, a father and a son go off, and they kind of hear these things when they're 12 or something like that. But whatever you do, you do it prior to the teen years. Uh, it's a little late at that point. Well, and I would push back on Dobson and encourage not just a one-time conversation. Yeah. That, again, it it's needs just, to be something it's continually just in the house. worked in. Yeah. I always laugh at you know Julie Lyle's car, uh, who intros and outros the show, and her great book, Raising an Original. If you don't have it, you need to get it. But how their children you know, just... They knew mommy and daddy loved each other, and and part of that is is sex. And I don't know what it is. I, but she would hang something on their door that basically said, you know, if the bed's rocking, don't come knocking, or something. And the kids knew what that meant, 
and how they would say, I've got soccer practice in 30 minutes. I can't believe you people. So here are these kids who grew up knowing what sex is, knowing that mommy and daddy have it. Of course, within this, you're also teaching them what is respectful, the difference between what's private and what's secret. So it's, it's, it's not that everyone's parading around naked. It's you're teaching the appropriateness of it, but you're also not denying its existence. Another question that came in that night, when is a cell phone a good idea and is there an appropriate age to start? I would say a cell phone is appropriate. A dumb phone is appropriate whenever you start to potentially needs a relative term, but need to communicate with him or her. Hey, I need you to pick me up from soccer practice at, in 15 minutes. So that would be easy text. Potentially, when you need to go hold, get a hold of your child, a cell phone becomes appropriate. As far as a smartphone is concerned, we encourage high school. And I'm more sophomore, more of 16 years old is kind of where I fall along those lines. The nice thing is, because as, as we've said in here so many times before, what they get in trouble for on a phone is, is all the smart part of the phone. And everything you want them to have a phone for is in the dumb part of the phone. Getting them a flip phone when they're younger, great, fine. But giving them an instrument that can record and upload to the entire universe everything that's being said and done is its foolishness. We keep handing 12-year-olds, 13-year-olds these devices, and then we're all shocked with what they do with it. Why do we think they're going to do appropriate things with it? They're children. They shouldn't have, and I don't want to plug fearless parenting, but in that, in the chapter, we, we, yeah, I do. But, you know, we talk to people and they, and, and some of the people within the industry and they, they talk about how these, these phones are, are, are programmed to be addictive from every little red dot that appears to every ding that appears to the way Instagram sets up, the way chat, sat, chat, Snapchat sets up. You sounded very old. Thank you. And, you know, MySpace, the way that is engineered nice mm-hmm. nice you know that still exists what yeah just jt justin timberlake purchased it it's now just a music platform oh how funny did you ever have a myspace no you'd have been in your 30s oh, at that no. point huh uh-uh. no it's all designed to be addictive i had a myspace yes you did all of you guys did the difference is we keep children from other uh, addictive behaviors and substances cigarettes alcohol gambling you name it. And yet we don't age restrict this technology. Which is ridiculous, but you've now referenced cigarettes in MySpace. I think that's funny. No vaping reference or dabbing. Cigarettes. You got to roll your own, Josh. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. You know, our episodes where we answer questions are kind of lame. We're not very funny. I don't have time to be funny, Josh. I know, because we're trying to roll through questions. I have too much wisdom. Oh. Next question. Let's say your kid keeps doing the thing that you asked them not to do several times. Example, stop running in the house. You lose your temper and you go into a rage monster. Then you apologize. How do you say you're sorry to your children without them leveraging it against you? Well, it's two separate things and you've got to keep it two separate things. You need to apologize for your misbehavior, but enter new paragraph you were, your bad behavior deserves a consequence. 
not me yelling, but get in your room for the next three days or whatever the case may be. So it's two separate things. You've got to treat it two different things. Apologize for your part and punish them for theirs. You also, you know, a child can only leverage something against you if you allow them to leverage it Mm, against you. Preach. I think I just pooped wisdom. (laughs) I did. That was... You defecated wisdom. Ooh, that's how wise that was. Mm. You know, we, we talk about, you know, the, the whole thing of, uh, you know, don't let one past parenting mistake come back and make you make a current parenting mistake. The Mac Brown quote, don't let one loss beat you twice. They can't leverage it against you. Again, as Josh saying, you're, you're separating these things out. You know, here's what you did and here's what's going to happen. Here's consequences for that, what you did. What I did as a mistake, be it, you know, cursing or yelling or whatever it is that I did, that is, to your point, two completely separate things. And I'm apologizing for what I did because I need to be honest and I'm not Jesus. I make mistakes and I want you to know that I do. And therefore, when I do, I'm going to come up and I'm going to say that I do. But that's completely separate yes. from what you did. And, and the some parents try to. And I'm going to punish myself and to show equality that I also didn't. Don't do that. You're the authority figure. Yes. Stop it. Yeah. I'm going to Bob Newhart you. When you do make a mistake, you you admit to it. But again, that's separate from whatever the kid did and their uh, their consequences. Uno mas no? Tiempo. See. Okay. Last one. What are the red flags that tell you your child needs counseling for an issue that they are facing? I would say this that, comes up a lot, by the way. Yeah, I would say uh, you look at their lowered level of functioning, or look at their level of functioning. So, if you had a kid that, relatively speaking, makes good enough grades and is involved with friends and does sports and you know complains at homework but does his homework, or whatever the case may be, and you start seeing that in all of his various areas he's seeing a dip, and it's not just a day or two dip or even a week. But, you know, months, you know, four, six weeks of a dip, that's someone that has something going on and probably needs to talk to somebody. Yeah, you know, someone, and and, and if we're talking like anxiety and depression, something like that, uh, that, you know, could be pathological, then, because there are some people, individuals, to include kids that are just more melancholy. There are some that, oh, step on a crack, break your mother's back. I mean, they're kind of anxious. That doesn't mean that they need therapy. So is their depression or anxiety or, you know, whatever it is they're feeling, is it preventing them from living their life? To your point, their level of functioning. I'm worried about not being accepted at school. Therefore, I refuse to go to school. When you see it interrupting the way that they want to normally live out their life. They could fear going to school, but if they still go to the school, then they're fine. Yeah. I mean, that it potentially is a normal anxiety. And when you're talking about more, you know, externalizing issues, you know, like behavioral issues, uh, especially oppositional defiant, when you see a kid that normal parenting, you know, what you did with the other kids doesn't work. And they're not just angry certain times, they're angry all the time. And they don't just push back occasionally, as all kids are going to do, they push back on everything. And if you look over like a six month period of time. 
Correct. And if you look and maybe they're just struggling at school, but they're fine at home, fine at church, fine with friends, potentially they don't necessarily need it. Maybe mm-hmm. they do, but that would be a lowered level of functioning in one particular area. Yeah. Maybe it's just someone being mean to them at school. Correct. And so you're looking at a lowered level of functioning in a majority of areas. Potentially mm-hmm. you want to get them in. Yep. All real right. parents, <clears throat> real live parents, real live questions. <laughs> so weird. But for your old school references of the day, cigarettes, MySpace, and step on a crack or you break, break your, your mother's, mother's back. back. Next, you're going to say, Who didn't worry about that? Sit down Indian style. Daughter Feather. Paradoxpodcast.com. If you want more information about this episode or any of our previous, we appreciate if you review and share. You can find us on our socials there at our website as well. Jimmy likes to tweet all the time. I'm not really active on anything. And by the way, most of virtually all my tweets are articles for parents, marriage, faith, that sort of thing. You kind of get political. Oh, yeah. So it's not all marriage and parenting. Name one thing that I've tweeted. I make sure I don't tweet out articles about things that are political. Uh, One time you bit back at Relevant. Oh, well, they needed bitten back. back. (laughs) About some political thing that they Mm, were doing. I wouldn't know. I dropped them. (laughs) They ain't relevant to me. You dropped them? Yes. I've tried like a three foot putt a couple of times to get on their podcasting network. Speaking would you would of, you pick them back up then? No. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Depends. Next week a very, very special episode. There's and we'll give you eighteen reasons why. It's gonna be a great episode. We're not, we're not gonna tell you. We're just gonna let you experience it yep. uh, as it happens. Paradoxpodcast.com. Y'all have a good day. See ya. Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. For more about Billy, go to therapywithbilly.com. For more information about our Paradox evangelist, Julie Lyles Carr, go to julielylescar.com. And if you want more details about what was discussed on today's show, go to paradoxpodcast.com. Paradox.